Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi, and welcome back to the Old Testament podcast. This is going to be for Leviticus chapter 19. In this assignment, you'll read what has been termed the heart of the ethics of the book of Leviticus. These ethics are the heart not only of Leviticus, but also of the entire Old and New Testaments. Recorded here for the first time is the revelation of the one principle that governed all the laws dealing with proper social relationship. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thus viewed, it is easy to see that all the other laws were merely the application of the law of love under various circumstances. This law, being both timeless and of universal application, is the seamless fabric on which not only the Old and New Testaments are richly embroidered, but our own modern scriptures as well. That was out of the Institute Manual. Verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, or saints, or holy ones, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. The last chapter examined in some detail the laws of uncleanness and uncleanliness in both their physical and spiritual senses. The closing chapters of Leviticus focus on laws that defined how one under the Mosaic law lived righteously and in a manner pleasing to God. Leviticus ends with essentially the same message with which it began, namely the all-important admonition that men are to be holy, even as God is holy. The laws that follow this commandment may seem at first to be without logical arrangement or interconnection but they are unified when one considers them in light of the injunction to be holy given in verse 2. Note also that the strong relationship to the Ten Commandments in what immediately follows, the Fifth Commandment, honoring parents, and the Fourth Commandment, keeping the Sabbath day holy, are joined in verse 3, followed immediately by the Second Commandment, no graven images. In verse 11, the Eighth Commandment, stealing, is joined with the Ninth, bearing false witness, and then again is immediately connected to the Third Commandment, taking God's name in vain. In verse 12, by this means, the Lord seems to indicate that what follows the commandment to be holy is directly related to these fundamental principles of righteousness. The specific laws that follow the commandments define principles of righteousness that follow naturally from the Ten Commandments. For example, the commandment is not to steal, but these laws show that the commandment means far more than not robbing a man or burglarizing his home. One can steal through fraud or by withholding wages from a laborer. The commandment is to honor one's parents, but here the Lord used the word fear, which connotes a deep respect, reverence, and awe, the same feelings one should have for God. Himself, the example of or the example of the gossiping tale-bearer shows that there are ways to bear false witness other than under oath in court, and the concluding principle summarizes the whole purpose of the law. If one is truly holy as God is holy, then he will love his neighbor as himself. And that was out of the Institute Manual. All right, verse 3. Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father, and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Turn ye not unto idols, nor make your, to yourselves molten gods. I am the Lord your God. And if ye offer a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord, ye shall offer it at your own will. 
It shall be eaten the same day ye offer it, and on the morrow, and if aught remain, until the third day it shall be burnt in the fire. And if it be eaten at all on the third day, it is abominable, it shall not be accepted. Therefore every one that eateth it shall bear his iniquity, because he hath profaned the hallowed thing of the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. And when ye reap the harvest of your land, Thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou re- shall gather the, glen- the gleanings of thy harvest. Remember uh, in the story of uh, Ruth, where Ruth goes into the fields to, to help glean uh, Boaz's fields. Uh, anciently, they were supposed to keep the corners uh, unreaped so that poor people could go in after the har- harvesters were done and reap the corners uh, so that they could have something. And that's what Ruth is doing, although Boaz actually gives her a little bit more than just the corners. Verse 10, And thou shalt not glean any, shall glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and stranger. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall not steal, neither, shall, neither deal falsely, neither lie one, with one to another. And ye shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God, I am the Lord. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him, the wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall fear thy God, I am the Lord. The Hebrew, Jehovah, note that this phrase occurs fourteen times like a seal of authority upon each of these statutes. Verse 15, ye shall do no unrighteousness, Hebrew injustice, in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, i.e., show unjust favoritism either to the humble of them or the mighty. But in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among the people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise... Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him, i.e., though you may reprove a neighbor and not tolerate his sin, do not hate him. This scripture mastery verse, Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of, of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. During his earthly ministry, the master was asked by a scribe which of all the commandments was the greatest. The Savior's reply is well known, love God and love your neighbors. Then he said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Or, to put it another way, those two principles are the foundation for all the writings of the Old Testament. All principles and commandments stem either from the need to love God or to love our neighbor. Both of the laws cited by Jesus are found in the Old Testament, but not together. The first is found in Deuteronomy 6.5 and the second in Leviticus 19.18. The wording of the second commandment is instructive. The statement that one is to love his neighbor as himself moves the idea of love in this case from a state of emotion to one of will. Love is that emotion which one naturally feels for oneself. Simply expressed, it is a desire one has for his own good. To love or care for oneself is natural and good, but in addition one must feel this same emotion for others. Each must desire the good of others as well as his own. This desire is not innate, but comes through a conscious act of will or agency. The commandment thus implies that one should work both for his own good and the good of others. He should not aggrandize himself at another's expense. This commandment is at the heart of all social interaction and becomes the standard by which every act can be judged. Any person who truly understands the implications for daily living that are part of the commandment to love God with all his heart, might, mind, and strength 
and to love his neighbor as himself can function well with no additional laws. One does not need to warn a person who loves God properly about idolatry, for any act of worship not devoted to God would be naturally offensive to him. The prohibitions against stealing, adultery, murder, and so on are not required if a person truly loves his neighbor as himself, for to injure his neighbor in any such way would be unthinkable. But, of course, the vast majority of men fail to understand and keep these two commandments, and so the Lord has revealed many additional laws and rules to show specifically what the commandments require. But truly, all such commandments do nothing more than define and support the two basic principles. All the law and the prophets are summarized in the two great commandments. That was out of the Institute Manual. Verse 19. Ye shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with a diverse kind, Uh, Note that these laws are in harmony with the other uh, admonitions to keep things pure and in proper use. Thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed, neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon thee. And whosoever lieth carnally with a woman, that is, a bondmaid, betrothed to a husband, or the Hebrew, a man, and not at all redeemed, nor freedom given her, she shall be scourged, there shall be an investigation or inquisition. They shall not be put to death, because she was not free." And he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord, unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, even a ram for a trespass offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering before the Lord, for his sin which he hath done, and the sin which he hath done shall he shall be forgiven him. And when ye shall come into the land, and shall have planted all manner of trees for food, then ye shall count the fruit thereof as uncircumcised three years, shall it be an uncircumcised as uncircumcised unto you, it shall not be eaten of. The metaphorical use of circumcision is thus explained by the text itself. It denotes the fruit as disqualified or unfit. In the same metaphor, it used is used for the heart, which is stubborn or not ripe to listen to the d- divine admonitions. And in other passages of Scripture, it is used with reference to lips and ears, which do not perform their proper functions. Exactly why the fruit produced for the first three years of the tree was to be treated as unfit is not clear. But in this context if of laws and of righteousness and sanctification, this prohibition could suggest that until the first fruits of the tree were dedicated to God, just as the firstborn of animals and men were, the tree was not viewed as sanctified or set apart for use by God's people. Because the ground had been cursed for man's sake, when Adam fell, this law could have served as a simple reminder that until dedicated to God and his purposes, all things remained unfit for use of God's holy people. Verse 24, But in the fourth year all the fruit thereof shall be holy to praise the Lord withal. And in the fifth year shall ye eat of the fruit thereof, that it may yield unto you the increase thereof. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall not eat anything of the blood, neither shall ye use enchantment, In the Hebrew, you shall not divine or use sorcery, nor observe times. At first, the laws found in these verses may seem to have little application for the modern saint and may even seem puzzling as requirements for ancient Israel. What, for example, would the cutting of one's hair and beard have to do with righteousness? But in the cultural surroundings of ancient Israel, these specific prohibitions taught a powerful lesson relative to the practices of Israel's heathen neighbors. For example, the Hebrew word nakash, translated as enchantment, meant to practice divination, and the phrase observe times comes from the Hebrew word meaning to observe clouds. In the ancient world, sorcerers and necromancers often claimed to read the future through various omens or objects. Their methods, 
included watching the stars, astrology, observing the movements of clouds and certain animals, tying knots, casting lots, tossing arrows into the air, and then reading the pattern of how they fell, and so on. Um, thus, verse 26 forbade any use of the occult to read the future. Another Bible scholar gave an important insight about why cutting the hair and beard was forbidden. And the following verse, Leviticus 9.27, and the following verse evidently referred to customs which must have existed among the Egyptians when the Israelites sojourned in Egypt. And what they were, and what they were it is now difficult, even with any probability, to conjecture. Herodotus observes that the Arabs shave or cut their beard round in honor of Bacchus, the god of wine, who, they say, had his hair cut in this way. He says also that the, that the Massians, a people of Libya, cut their hair round so as to leave a tuft on the top of the head. In this manner, the Chinese cut their hair to the present day. This might have been in honor of some idol and therefore forbidden to the Israelites. The hair was much used in divination among the, among the ancients and for purposes of religious superstition among the Greeks, and particularly about the time of the giving of this law, as this is supposed to have been the era of the Trojan War. We learn from Homer that it was customary for parents to dedicate the hair of their children to some god, which when they... Uh, which, when they, the deity, I didn't, didn't read that right, I don't think. Let me read this again. We learn from Homer that it was customary for parents to dedicate the hair of their children to some god, which, when they, the deity, I don't know what that means. Okay, forget it. Achilles, at the funeral of Patroclus, cut off his golden locks, which his father had dedicated to the river god, and threw it into the flood. If the hair was rounded... And, the de and dedicated for purposes of this kind, it will at once account for the prohibition in this verse. In forbidding the cutting of the flesh and the tattooing of marks in the flesh, the, the Lord again clearly signaled that Israel was to be different from their heathen neighbors. Wounds were self-inflicted in times of grief for the dead and during worship. Also, it was a very self-inflicted in times of... Oh, and also it was a very ancient and a very general custom to carry marks on the body in honor of the object of their worship. All the castes in the Hindus bear on their foreheads or elsewhere what, what are called sectarian marks, which distinguish them not only in a civil but also in a religious point of view from each other. Most of the barbarous nations lately discovered have their faces, arms, breasts, etc. curiously carved or tattooed, probably for superstitious purposes. Ancient writers abound with, act, with accounts of marks made on the face, arms, etc., in honor of different idols, and to this the inspired penman alludes, where false worshippers are represented as receiving in their hands and in their forehead the marks of the beast. Sacred prostitution was a common practice among the heathen worshippers, and often priestesses in the temples to such goddesses of love as Venus or Aphrodite were there only to satisfy and give religious sanction to immoral sexual desires. God strictly forbade these practices. Familiar spirits connoted those who today would be called spiritualists or spirit mediums. They supposedly had the power to com communicate through a seance with departed spirits. The Hebrew word for familiar spirit means ventriloquist, suggesting in the very name itself the fraudulent character of such people. Clearly, the laws pro prohibiting such idolatrous practices were designed to set apart 
to set Israel apart from the world and its false worship, and therein is an important lesson for modern saints. The world has not changed, although the specific practices of evil and debauchery may be different. Today, the Lord still directs his people through living prophets to avoid the customs and practices of the world. It should be no surprise, then, that prophets speak out against certain hairstyles, fashions in clothing, passing fads, or such practices as sensitivity groups, gambling, couples living together without marriage, and so on. That was out of the Institute Manual. Verse 27, Ye shall not round the corners of your heads by cutting the forelocks of the hair of the head, neither shalt thou mar the corners by, of, thy, of thy beard. Ye shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. Do not prostitute thy daughter to cause her to cause her to be a whore, lest the land fall to whoredom, and the land become full of wickedness or lewdness. Ye shall keep my Sabbaths, and reverence my sanctuary, I am the Lord. Regard not them that have familiar spirits. Hebrew, do not turn to magic or necromancy. Neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them, I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head, rise up before the face of old age, and honor the face of the old man, and fear thy God, I am the Lord. And if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, ye shall not vex him or oppress but the stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you, in other words, as a citizen of yours. And thou shalt love him as thyself, for ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Ye shall do no unrighteousness in judgment or in justice, in meat land, in meat yard, and in meat yard, in weight or in measure. Just balances, just weights, a just ephah, and a just hin shall ye have. I am the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. A meat yard signifies such Hebrew measures of length as the reed, the span, and the cubit, while the ephah and the hin were measures of volume. By specifying what kinds of measures, the Lord clearly taught that honesty in all transactions was required. Verse 37, Therefore shall ye observe all my statutes and all my judgments, and do them. I am the Lord. That's the end of chapter 19. We'll see you next time. Aren't you excited about all these rituals and stuff? Bye.